0: The epistle is from Hebrews, chapter 4. So then, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works, as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest, so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, Piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word of the Lord. Be to God. Please rise for the gospel. Hallelujah. Gospel according to St. Luke, the 8th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. When a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to Jesus, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it, and some fell on the rock." And as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others Word of God makes judgments, it makes distinctions, draws distinctions between people and about things in our world. You heard that in our Epistle lesson from Hebrews chapter 4. The author of that letter says that the Word of God is living and active, sharper, sharper than any two-edged sword. And he ends up using some language that's actually kind of like describing what a surgeon does. You might expect a surgeon to operate with a knife that can cut, say, between joints, can separate things without doing much damage. Well, the the knife that this surgeon operates with is so sharp that it cuts straight through bone. It doesn't look for joints to separate things apart, but it cuts straight through. It is that sharp. It is that divisive. It makes judgments. God's word makes judgments. It makes the world far more black and white than you and I would like. We prefer a world in which there's lots of middle ground, lots of gray area for us to be at ease and not choose sides and be a little bit unclear about what's right and wrong. But God's word removes that possibility. There is black and white, there is right and wrong, there is good and bad, and there are no no excuses. Maybe you can hear yourself sometimes make excuses. This is the way it usually goes. It involves that little word, but. (laughs) I'm sorry, but. That's right, but, right? These excuses that we make which try to bring us back into that middle ground, but God's word says no. It's either black or white, good or bad, right or wrong. Just think about some of the stories you know from the Old Testament, like, for instance, Noah and the flood. There's a sharp distinction. Noah and his family, eight souls in all, saved in the ark, and everybody else dead, drowned in the flood. Or think about the people of Israel during the time of the Passover. God gave them instructions. Take that Passover lamb and paint its blood on the doorposts. And in the middle of the night, there were among those who lived in Egypt some whose homes were filled with dead firstborn sons because they had not painted blood on the doorposts. But for the people of Israel, who listened to God and believed in him and painted their doorposts with blood, their children lived. That's a sharp distinction, a painful distinction. In the middle of the night, a cry went out because the distinction was so sharp and clear. God's judgment was so unavoidable. Now God's word is very clear about some very practical things. The difference between good and bad, between righteousness and wickedness, between the works of the flesh and the fruit of the Spirit. And those distinctions are very important as we go about our lives, knowing what we should and should not do, or the kinds of things that warrant punishment. But there is a more important distinction that God's Word makes clear. That is the difference between those who believe and those who do not believe. Pay attention here. This is not the difference between good people and bad people. This is not the difference between people who have their lives together and those whose lives are run amok. It is a different kind of distinction. It is the difference between those who have heard and believed God's word and those who have not. See how different this is from the kinds of distinctions that the world makes. When the world wants to draw distinctions between people, it does it, say, between rich and poor, between the strong and the weak, between the privileged and the underprivileged, between Jew and Gentile, all of these purely external things. Not so with the kind of distinction that God's word makes. His sword is sharper and cuts deeper, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It has to do with faith and unbelief. Now, because God's word makes distinctions, the church also makes distinctions. And it's worth just pondering this for a moment, because these are kinds of questions that often come up So there are some places where the church makes distinctions just like God's word does. Take, for instance, Holy Communion. So there are some who may and others who may not take Holy Communion. Why do we do that? Why do we do that? It's because we make distinctions the same way God's word does. If we ignored distinctions, if we operated with a great big gray area, we would promote a false unity. We would all gather around an altar, united around something that isn't true. Instead, what do we unite around when we come to the altar of the Lord? We unite around Jesus' body and blood, and what it has done for us, and the confession that we share from the truth of God's word. That distinction is essential, so that we don't put our hopes in a false unity. Or think about the kind of distinction that might happen between, say, a Christian funeral and another kind of funeral. So there are some people who may be buried in the church and others who may not. Why do we make that distinction? Why do we speak clearly and often painfully about whether or not someone was a professing Christian? It is so that just as God's word makes a distinction between true comfort and false comfort, we do not set our hopes on something that is uncertain, something that is unsure. Instead, we set our hopes on what was believed, what was received, The gifts of Jesus. We make those distinctions because God's word makes those distinctions. Of course, you and I cannot see faith. We cannot see into a person's heart. God's word cuts deeper, goes deeper to the thoughts and intentions of a heart. But when God's word brings something to light say when someone is living outside of the confession that we share here in this church or when someone has lived a life that was manifestly not christian then the church must make those distinctions but god's word goes deeper and that's the point for you to pay attention to this morning we like to avoid distinctions we like to avoid the judgments of god's word we don't like other people To feel like they've been left out, and most of all, we don't want to be the kind of people who leave others out, most of all because we run the risk of ourselves being excluded. Who are you, you can hear people saying, who are you to judge me? Well, you and I don't make the judgments. God's word does. God's word does. God's word comes to us like a sower sowing his seed, and every time it comes to us, it brings a judgment day. We tend to think about Judgment Day coming at the very end of time, but every time God's Word comes to you, every time you hear the Gospel, every time you hear God's Word preached and proclaimed, it is a Judgment Day, just as you saw in the parable of the sower. As God's Word comes to us, it highlights, it brings to light what we would rather have remain hidden. It uncovers hearts, even if it is only uncovering your heart to you. I cannot see in your heart. You cannot see into your neighbor's heart's But you can. You can see into your own heart. You can see what God's word uncovers. And it brings a day of judgment. It draws a distinction. Last week, the distinction was between those who do and do not receive God's generosity. Today, the distinction is between those who hear and those who do not, those who listen and those who do not. So notice how the seed is cast in that parable from the gospel lesson. It is scattered everywhere. It is scattered everywhere without any distinction. The sower is so concerned with making sure that his seed grows somewhere, that he throws it even in places where it will not grow. And you can see how as he scatters it in those places, it brings judgment. For as the seed was sown along the path and the devil came and snatched away the word so that that person would not believe there is a judgment that comes, they had the word, and they did not receive it. They had no time for God's Word. They had other things that they wanted to listen to and pay attention to. They had no place for God's Word in their lives. And so, the fact that no plant grows there at all is a judgment. It's a judgment against that soil. Or, when the plant sprouts up on the rocks and it withers under the sun, because a time of testing has come, God's Word brings judgment. That believer That one who heard and sprang up for a moment was a fair-weather believer, willing to receive God's word only so long as life is comfortable, only so long as I can be at ease, only so long as it is convenient. And God's word, when that plant withers, brings a judgment. Or when the weeds choke it, as time goes on and other plants grow up alongside that plant, but that person who has believed finds they prefer other things, earthly treasures, the cares and riches and comforts of this life, when that person finds that those things are more valuable to them, then the plant is choked. And once again, that plant which dies is God's judgment. God's word has brought a judgment on each of those places. God means for his word to produce fruit, but when it does not, it stands in testimony. It testifies against that soil. You did not believe. You did not receive the word with a good and honest heart. You did not produce fruit with patience. And so there is judgment. Now you heard in Isaiah that God's word always accomplishes something. It's like the rain that falls from heaven. It always does what God purposes. And it is tragic when the purpose is judgment, when we see so clearly where unbelief has taken root instead of faith. And that means there's a warning. There's a warning in all of these lessons. Just like last week, there's a warning Do not neglect God's word. If you hear today, if you hear God's word today, do not harden your hearts. That's what the psalmist says as he reflects on a time when the people of Israel had God's word. We actually heard the lesson last week. They were in the wilderness and they were thirsty and they hardened their hearts. Instead of pleading to God for his mercy, they grumbled against him. If you hear God's word today, do not harden your hearts Instead, listen. Believe. Believe that God is here in love for you. That what he is sowing for you, what he is delivering to you by his word, is life and not death. That what he wants to give you is blessedness and not curses. That he wants to free you from everything that you suffer in this life on account of sin. Every last thing, down to the suffering that only you know within your heart. But see how deeply God's word cuts. It goes all the way there. For that is precisely what he intends to cure. The things in your heart that only you know about, that no one can see. The things that you hide and would have hidden for the rest of time. Those things God has seen and he has uncovered them. Why? so that he can rescue you from them, so that he can deliver you from them, so that, like a skilled surgeon, he can heal you and make you whole. If today you hear God's voice, if today you have heard God's word, do not harden your hearts. Instead, listen to it. Hold it fast in an honest and good heart, not hiding yourself anymore, not hiding from God's word, but being exposed so that he can make you whole. This is the hope for you and me, that in spite of those obstacles that are plain as day in the parable of the sower, the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, in spite of those obstacles, still, God's word is sown, and still, some of it grows, and some of it produces such abundance beyond measure, beyond what anyone would expect, The miracle of this parable, the miracle of God's kingdom, is that anybody believes. The miracle of the gospel is that you are here today listening to God's word, believing. It's an amazing thing, something we should never have expected, and yet, here you are. The sower is sowing his seeds, and they are growing. You don't need anything added to it. You don't need to take soil and add all kinds of fertilizer and Pesticides and herbicides to make something grow. All you need is God's Word planted. There are no tricks or gimmicks here. There's no decision for you to make. All you must do is hear the words. Listen. The Lord loves you. He is your shepherd who wants to give you rest. Hear it and believe. It's important for us to have as clear as day these distinctions between belief and unbelief, between good and bad, between right and wrong, between false comforts and true comfort, is important for you to have clear as day what this seed is that is sown among you. So let me tell you again something you have heard countless times before. Let me tell you again what the gospel is. You were lost. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were bound for the grave. You lived a life that was nothing that only warranted judgment, that only warranted hell. That is where we all were. But God saw fit in the fullness of time to send forth his son, something he had prepared to do from the beginning. When God spoke to the serpent and said, Eve's offspring will crush your head, he was making a promise all the way back then for you because God saw fit to save you to call you out of death to life, to bring you out of darkness to light, to bring you from the suffering that you experience in this life on account of sin to bring you to peace and joy and wholeness. This is the judgment of God's word that gives us hope. Because while you and I have deserved every last bit of judgment that God's word has, judgment against sin, judgment of hell, judgment of an eternal grave, what has God done in Christ Jesus? There he is on the cross, set apart from mankind, reckoned with sinners, counted among the unrighteous. Jesus suffers the judgment that you and I deserve. God's word makes a judgment. It cuts deep on the cross. And what does it say? It says, "He is counted among sinners so that you and I, you and I may be counted among the righteous." That is the judgment of God's word that is most precious. That is the judgment of God's word which makes believers. That Christ died on the cross to forgive your sins. That he poured out his blood so that even though you die, yet shall you live. In spite of the obstacles, the hazards, the obstacles that you and I put up in the way, the ways we try not to listen to God's word, our efforts to plug our ears, in spite of all of that, God is here today, even today, again, speaking his word to you giving you the forgiveness, life, and salvation that was won through Jesus on the cross. If you hear God's word today, do not harden your hearts, but instead believe. God has called you. He has made you his children. He has washed you clean. He has restored you, and he has promised to you every good thing. Listen and believe. You have been chosen. You have been chosen by God. Hold fast to those promises. To God alone be all glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen.